read first? Can you read John chapter 6 first? Just the one verse, 56. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you. I've given the youngest child the most mysterious verse to read there. So we're going to speak more about this next time. But um, Jesus is saying there, there's this mysterious idea that sharing communion together means that we're integrated into Jesus' body and blood. Thank you, Emmanuel. Um, who's got 1 Corinthians 10, 16, 17? Isabel. Isabel. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we, who are many, are one body, for we all share the one loaf. Great, thank you. So we share in the cup and the bread and we participate in the blood and the body of Christ. Again, a little bit mysterious. Um, and you hear there, this is where we often repeat this verse when we take communion. No, though we are many, we are one body because we all share the one bread. So we're, we're re- reciting cri- uh, scripture when we say that, and that communion unifies us. Great. Uh, Kumni, I think you're next. Uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 17 to 22, please. In the following directives, I have no praise for you. For your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent, I believe it. No doubt, there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then, when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat, for you are eating some of you, for when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Or certainly not in this matter. Thank you. Thank you, great. And then straight into Cherry, your your two verses, well, please. So so then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who is hungry should eat something at home, so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give further instructions. Great, thank you. So actually, those last two readings that Cherry and Bakumi have just read there um, are actually challenging the church. It's almost like you're, the things that we've just said that Emmanuel and Isabel have just read, you're not doing those kind of things. It's like you've got bad eating habits. We all have bad eating habits, but this is the worst eating habit you can have, <laughs> where there are some people um, eating to excess, some people getting drunk, which is resulting in some people not having anything to eat and being left out, and there's cliques, and there's divisions, and bad eating practices. Okay, don't do it. It's not good. Um, Because in all of this, 
when we share communion, the idea is the church should eat together. I mean, that's just a good family practice anywhere and anytime, but that's Jesus calling us to, to, to share together. It's good for the family to eat together. Um, and these different readings in, that we've just read in different ways speak about communion and how we share together as one, one body, a communion where we're participants, participants rather, in the body and the blood of Christ, where we're unified as one body because we share that one bread. Uh, a communion where we share completely together. So every time we take this communion, we declare that all of us belong together. We all belong to one another. We're one bread, we're one cup, we're one body, one faith, one Jesus, one. Now, it's easy to say that. In fact, actually, you could put that on our website, Mission State, where we're united in Christ. and da, da, da. But actually, when we actually do this in communion it acts it out it makes it a living reality where you can't really hide if we do this well we can't hide and just yeah i could pretend i'm unified with with emma or chris but actually if i'm kind of like i'm not really speaking to them yeah we love one another but actually if i'd ever actually speak to them or just doing it yeah maybe but actually this forces me (laughs) it literally forces me to have to be unified with them because we're coming around the table together and we're and we're doing this together. That's the idea anyway. And so it should challenge, um, challenge us uh, to mean what we say when we share communion. It should challenge us uh, to come to repentance and to come to forgiveness towards one another in a really real way. Um, and I think it pushes us to become more real and more genuine with one another when we offer one another the peace, as we've been doing the last few weeks, um, and it forces us to confront the reality that we are one in Christ, whether we like it or not. Um, now, the thing is, we live, do we not, in a very individualised culture. Yes, it's all about me, is, is really the way things go in our days. Um, and that, sadly, almost inevitably, has had an impact on the way faith is expressed a lot of the time. Um, and, and, and for many, uh, or we've been told that the, the, the most important thing is me and my relationship with Jesus, me and my personal relationship with Jesus. I always struggle with that phrase when someone says, I have a personal relationship with Jesus as if it's just that's the one thing that matters. I'm not denying that we have a, a personal relationship with Jesus, but it grates on me particularly at the moment where actually everything's so individual. Um, and you, you've probably heard the message, if you were the only person on the planet, Jesus would have died for you. Have you heard that message? Some of you may have heard that. Sorry? Jesus would still have come for you. Yes, exactly. Yes, Jesus would still have come for you, even if you were the only person on the planet. Well, I've got news for you. You're not the only person on the planet, and you never were. In fact, that doesn't work. <laughs> um, it just doesn't happen that way. In fact, Jesus came for the world, and you're part of that. But you're only part of that. Um, and, and, you know, everything we do in, in worship, in our prayer, in our study of the scriptures, in, particularly as we break bread together, it's the idea that we are in Christ. We are united in Christ. No one stands alone as a Christian. No one. We are one in Christ. And the communion regularly ministers that to us as we, as we share it. So I just want to look... Briefly at the, the practical nuts and bolts, particularly the two readings that um, yeah, Bakumni and Cherry 
uh, read out. I'll read them again. Paul's very practical in how this should work, or how he's saying how it isn't working and how it should work. So I'll read it again. This is 1 Corinthians 11. It says, In the following directives, I have no praise for you. Fantastic. That's a good thing to hear, isn't it? I've got nothing good to say about this, all right? For when you, you meet, you do more harm than good. Goodness. He's almost saying, don't meet if you're going to be meeting like this. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. No doubt, there have to be differences among you to show which of you has God's approval. So the idea is he's saying that that isn't good. He's, he's saying that some people are dividing themselves to say, I'm more approved of God than you are, and sort of separate. And he's saying, no, no good, no good. Don't do this. So then when you come together, is it not the Lord's Supper you eat? For when you are eating, some of you will go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. I have to say that would be probably quite a little bit funny to watch, but I mean, it's, it's wrong, okay? But um, um, anyway, don't do that last bit. Um, don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. So you get the idea. He's not into it. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who is hungry should eat something at home, so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. So what's going on here? As I've said, you've got, you've got division, you've got segregation, you've got the wealthy, and you've got the poor. And there's a big divide between them. The wealthy are eating to excess, and they're eating separately. Some people have said that it's quite likely that because they were wealthy, they could get there early. The, people, the poor people will still had to work and finish off their jobs or maybe come in late. I don't know. But either way, the wealthy people were taking all the stuff for themselves and leaving nothing for the poor. It's almost like enacting what happens in the world around you. And, and Paul is saying this is, this is not right. Excluding and leaving nothing for the poor is not church. So this was the, the issue in a local church in Corinth 2,000 years ago. Um, there was divisions in society between rich and poor, and, and, and they had yet to be healed in Christ in the church. Um, which is a reminder, by the way, that church is an ongoing project of grace and transformation, and we haven't all got it right yet, but we're, we're, we're working there. So Paul challenges this class divide, and he says... We are one in Christ. And he speaks of communion being a practical ministry on as we share together, we are one body. And eating this <coughs> communion together was a sign that the boundaries now are broken. They're broken down and the rich and the poor come together as one in Christ and we're united. And so Paul's message says that we, we come together around the table as one. The poor and the rich should eat together. And actually, through communion, unity is a non-negotiable thing about church. We're just one. Separation, segregation, they're the thing of the past. We are now one body in Christ. And I think that challenge is still relevant today. You know, the church should not be a class-based social structure of hierarchy. Um, Yet, sadly, in many places, it still is. Um, But when there's a real meaningful communion the rich and the poor share one bread and together and i think today there is the rich and poor divide still but that plays out into so many other ways um 
I mean, I mean, just have a look around the church now. Just, I know you know who's here. In fact, some people popped in a little bit late. So just have a look around. Just check out who's here. See, yeah. I still think what an odd collection of people. <laughs> it's okay to say that, I think. You know, we have, just within us, various races and nationalities, don't we? Amazing. I mean, if we could name them, we've got white British, white mixed, all kinds of things, thanks to my dad. We have Filipino, we have Nigerian, Zambian, we have uh, Zimbabwe, Sri Lankan, and even Welsh. And despite yesterday's rugby result, we are still one in Christ. Amazing. Um, But in our world, does it not race uh, and and colour still divides, still hot topic? And and even in the church, we talk of uh, sometimes we refer to black churches or white middle-class churches. And the reason why we call them those things is because in some churches, there's just a whole load of white middle-class people. And maybe that's just because that's all who live in that place, but sometimes it isn't. Oftentimes it isn't. And actually, we refer to black churches, and sometimes maybe that's because that's all who lives in that area, but oftentimes it isn't. But we're one in Christ, and that's what the communion says. We're, we're, we're one body. And I really want to commend, I love the fact that we are so mixed here. And I want to commend anyone who's come from a different culture um, and has decided to be part of a church that is mixed. Because I think that is, that is Christ. You know, rather than being with your own kind, it's a recognition that this is my own kind. Um, and it's actually a vision of the future. If you read the book of Revelation, um, I, I read, read somebody recently, he said, we should be inclusive of all nations, not just because it's just the trendy thing to do, but actually this is the vision of God's future, here and now. Every, every tribe, every tongue, praising God together. And similarly, um, for, for people who are from the local culture, I commend you who welcome the, the foreigners and the strangers. I mean, you know, here we are, post-Brexit. Almost want to, you know, there's all those kind of tensions politically. Do we, you know, how, who are we trying to almost sort of separating ourselves in many ways. But actually, I commend us who are local, that welcome the, the strangers, the foreigners, the refugees, the outsiders, the people that are not, not like us. But they are like us, says Jesus. We are one body because we all share one bread. So wherever you're from, whatever your racial heritage, we are one, we are united in the body of Christ. And within our church, we have different cultures. There are different, and other things, we've got so many different church traditions as well. We were just talking about this at the elders meeting the other day. You know, it's, I just, yeah, there's so many different church traditions here. There's various social backgrounds. You've got working class. You've got middle class. You've even got people here that have played for royalty. We've got the educated. Oh, did I drop that in? Uh, you've got the educated. You've got the uneducated. You've got the well-off. You've got the not-so-well-off. 
You've got the Gen X, you've got the Gen Y, you've got the Gen Z, you've got the people who don't even know what Gen means. <laughs> We're all here. None of these boundaries or barriers or dividers exist in Christ. They're just labels that, that we say, but we are one in Christ. And so this meal, when we eat together, it levels us up. We're part of the body. We're all sharing the same bread, the same cup, for the same reasons. We are all coming around this table because we are one and united in Christ. Paul says there's neither Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, and I'll add now in modern times, white or black, young or old, rich or poor, educated or uneducated, you are all one in Christ. (coughs) We who are many are one body because we all share the one loaf. And if I just put a, just comment just slightly on our practice and, and, and we, all, we, look, we talked about this as elders. I think it's, personally for me, it's why it's important that we, we share a loaf rather than cut some bits up and, and share that. And I know that's, there's, there's, because of COVID, we've come to this practice, but I want to, I'll be talking more about this at the members meeting, but I, I think there's something about having the loaf that we all share from and we see that speaks of the reality that we are all one in Christ. It's a sacramental thing. Remember we talked about the sacraments of where God ministers to us through the physical, real things around us, the material things around us. He, he ministers a truth to us. And I think that's something I'd like to see us develop in. We who are many are one body because we all share in one loaf. So my final thing about this is, you know, as we share communion, we are united. Let me just finish this and then, yeah, please... I'll, Keep your thought there. Um, We are united here as one body, but we are also, as we've said many times before as well, we are united with the church around the world who are doing this today, usually, uh, around the world. And we are one body with the members of Christ uh, around the world um, in a Catholic sense. You know the word Catholic actually means universal. So in in the the real sense, not the real sense, there is the Catholic church, but the idea that that we are one Catholic church. And that's the idea, sadly, so often, strangely over history. Aren't we brilliant people? Amazing. It is actually over this meal that the church has divided through history, sadly. But let us pray um, as we eat this together. We'll pray the prayer that Jesus prayed. I'm going to read it to you then. Maybe I'll pray it again in a bit later. But Jesus said this. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us. That the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you have gave me. That they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. So that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved me and have loved them just as I and you have loved me. I think Jesus' idea is that we're just unified. It's not difficult. 